thank you. Hey everybody, what's up? What's happening? It's me, Maria, and this is Sisters of Sabres, the For Us Bias podcast for Black women who love Star Wars and other things. And we're here tonight on a special one-on-one interview with a special friend of ours, Alex Michaels. And he's an accomplished author, an Emmy nominator and winner, and he's going to be with us for a very special episode to tell us a little bit about Kenobi, Star Wars and any projects that he's working on. You know, I figured a lot of people have so much to say about Kenobi that I wanted to bring in an expert. Uh, He's not paid to do this. He's here because he wants to be. And I just wanted to get the advice of someone who actually has done this and has the experience and um, the training necessary to actually give feedback instead of some guy (laughs) eating Doritos Locos Tacos. Hey, Alex, oh, tell wow. us all about I you. I love the introduction. Um, I'm Alex Michaels, Emmy winning writer, producer, director, actor, depending on the day what I'm doing. And I run a company named Prelude to Cinema. Um, I create the company and to make movies and to get them out there and everything. And I love sports. I love, I love all the, perfect. I Go love ahead. all the stars, you know, and everything. Yeah. 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 We're going to talk about it. Thank you so much yeah. for being on. So you talked about Prelude to Cinema. Yeah. So you're the I, founder? Actually, um, back in the day, I just wanted to be a writer because, you know, my idea was like, so when I was working in the hospital, I wanted to, to be a doctor. Like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes. So I was going to be a doctor, uh, marry a crazy Jewish girl, which I actually did. That's a whole other story. But, and then write stories and get them out there to Hollywood. But I kind of got roped into like making my own movies because a guy who was going to make my story he bailed out in directing so i said like you know the show must go on so that's why i actually got into directing and then i'm in cleveland ohio and there's really no movie company so we have a great film commission but they're just about bringing movies in to shoot movies here and stuff you know so i studied about the old time movie studios and everything and i just created my own company because you know and now that all these years later, you actually have the technology and everything to do things. Because I actually used to shoot in film, real, like 16 millimeter in film and then Super 8 and cut the film together. So, wow, yeah. Wow, yeah, Super 8. But be able to actually That's put your incredible. own stories out there. And that was the whole thing with Prayer to Cinema, you know, being diverse and inclusive and being able to make your own stories. And I, I'm dating myself, but I, star, I saw Star Wars in, in the theater as a little kid and I actually, um, I love the collectibles, so I actually sent off for the collectibles, and they didn't have them, the little toys, and I got those little cars that, a rain check, and now they're, like, worth thousands of dollars, and I just threw them away, because, you know, your kids and stuff, you know, and. Yeah, so you were one of the Kenner early bird kids that I heard so yeah, much we would, about um, growing up. Yeah, we had a Kitty City, and um, I got, loved Kitty City and Toys R Us, and I away you know and my mom gets to me like you know they bought like multiple toys of stuff and i blew them up and threw them away stuff but i always remind her you know when she was a little kid she had the first issue of superman and she traded away and it's like it's worth millions now but if people had kept that stuff it wouldn't have a value to it you know so you know it's just great to like and i i've been like getting like my new little collectibles and just having you know to remember the movies and the moments and everything and that's that's really what it's about, not just toys and everything, but like that memory of going to the theater and going with your, my dad and everything who loved those kind of movies. And, you know, it's just the love of that whole universe of Star Wars and everything. Well, you, you brought me to it. Let's talk about Star Wars for a minute. So you must have been an original trilogy guy. That must have I been your time, right? I went to the original, original Star Wars thing, you know, and nobody knew about blockbuster or anything like that and stuff you know and so you know i got the toys and everything and it was a great experience you know the because i like when i was a little kid we used to watch on tv the um you know the, the swashbuckling movies with earl flynn and stuff and that's where star wars really got the origin and stuff and everything you know and um it was secret with my mom and stuff like we had like these curtain rods we would take off and my brother do sword fights and they got bent up but just a couple of years ago, I finally told my mom why her curtain rods were all bent up from the sword fights. And she said, what? I would have killed you if I knew that. But, 
you know, so when Star Wars came out, we were like, you know, we were just like enthralled that someone could take that kind of like um, the old time movie serials too. Like, was a kid, they used to show the um, the Flash Gordon and stuff from the forties and stuff on TV, and you can see all that in Star Wars. Then when you start reading the history of you know George Lucas and how he created everything and stuff, too, is a great thing too. And I even went back and actually found like they did a comic book of the original Star Wars, how it was supposed to be. And it's completely different. It's kind of hand solos like this giant alien with six arms and everything. You know, and it's a weird little story, but mm-hmm. it's the reason why it's lasted so long because it has that, um, it has its origins and a lot of different things and it touches a lot of people, you know, and everything. Yeah, I think I remember that book you're speaking That's about. Star Wars, it was yeah. The Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah, like it was the a- concept before all the revisions took place. Before right, George yeah. had done any revisions, it was just the raw, oh, yeah. uncut material. Yeah, they made it to a yeah. great read. I heard about know. that. You know, I- I've only heard yeah, about it, so I got to check it, really it out great. for yeah. myself. That's awesome. So, w- would you say that the um, original, the New Hope, is is your favorite? I got to yeah. New Hope is Do you like have a favorite. It um. Yeah, you always got to start with the beginning. It brings, like, it's, like, so many emotions, and it's, like, you know, if it wasn't for that, nothing else would come along. But then Empire Strikes Back is just, like, the thing. And, you know, and I know people remember, like, but back in the day, Billy D. Williams was it, the smoothest. He's still smooth, the smoothest black guy. Oh, yes. yes. My mother would tell us about Billy um, Dean. There was another movie um, <laughs> called Nighthawks. He did with Sylvester Stallone. He plays a cop and he gets cut on the chin. And like women in the theater were like, gosh, you know, they were like upset when Billy D. Williams' face got cut. You know, I mean, Billy D. was it, you know, and to see him in Star Wars um, and even the first Star Wars, Sir Alec Guinness, it gives that weight to um, a science fiction movie because a lot of people didn't take science fiction seriously. But if Sir Alec Guinness is in, it's serious. If Billy D. Williams is in, it's serious. It just gives that weight. And of course, James Earl Jones with that voice, which is classic. You know, you can't. So the whole the, the whole first three movies. Although we want to talk about the Ewoks, but yeah, you know, but <laughs> but it's it's a great movie though. You know, it's 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 that's why it's lasted. It's a great movie. It just like moments from it can you know just like excite you when you start thinking about it. You know. Yeah, I see the smile yeah. like creeping up on your yeah, face just talking about it. So that's that's awesome. I love talking to other fans that have that connection, and it's so infectious. Um, that's amazing. Uh, you talked about those first movies. Uh, I'm a prequel baby, oh. so the first movie oh, for wow. me is one, <laughs> like one, two, three, uh, not four, five, six. So it depends well, on who you talk it to. But for me, yeah, that's I, I, that's one. Because um, I've been like prepping for this, I saw an interview with uh, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, and they're talking about you know the movies. I think it was like back in the seventies. We were talking about like how they want to do the prequels because when you look, when you're watching. Uh, the original Star Wars and New Hope and stuff, they start talking about the Jedi War and everything and the past and stuff. And everyone's like, man, I want to see that movie, you know? And so they did the prequels and stuff, you know, and uh, that that last fight with him and, you know, Anakin and stuff, that was like, oh, that was Yeah, they incredible. did that. I mean, they there were like that. moments that people have been dreaming about for years to want to see that. Because I'm, I'm, you know, as a writer myself and stuff, I'm glad that, George Lucas got a chance to do his whole dream, you know? Because when he did the first movie and talk about the collectibles with Kenner and everything, the reason, is funny, but the reason why they gave him the rights to the toys is because they didn't think the movie was going to do anything, you know? And he actually wanted to make another movie, regardless of what Star Wars did, and he's figured he'll sell some toys and make the movies. That's why they gave them the rights to the movie, I mean, to the toys and everything. And little story, there's a... Um, great TV show called The Toys That Made Us. And Mattel actually turned down the Star Wars toys. But at the time, you think about it, every studio had turned down Star Wars except for one 20th Century Fox. So no one knew what it was going to be, you know. And so Mattel turned it down. Yeah. Yeah, so and Kenner was a little company wall. in Ohio. And they had nothing to lose. So they was like, hey, we'll, we'll do some toys in this little movie that, every, that no studio wants, you know, and everything. And then... The big studios, you know, they like they gave George Lucas 
the rights to do it. And there's a book called um, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which it was supposed to be the second Star Wars movie. It's a really low budget. It just, it takes place all on Dagobah. Dagobah? I probably pronounced that right. And that was, yeah, that was supposed to be the whole, Dagobah? that was going to be the second Star Wars movie, that book and stuff and everything. So, I mean, it's just like a writer who's determined to do his movie and regardless of what it does, he's still going to make more Star Wars movies. So that's been inspiration for me and with Prayers of Cinema, knowing that, you know, you got to make your stuff, you know, you got to put your stuff out there regardless of whether the fans love it or not. You don't have enough fans and you don't become a big, huge success. You're still going to make your movies, mm -hmm. you know. That's one of the things I admire most about George. Uh, now that we're in the yeah. sphere of talking about George, um, he always did exactly yeah. whatever he wanted to do. And he didn't worry about what people thought, you know, at the time the, that the prequels came out, like that right. was unheard of. You're going to have a completely computer generated oh, yeah. character with speaking lines in a film, you know, like no one had ever done anything like that. He's always been kind of on the forefront of technology and, and pushing film forward. And, um, yeah, you know, he's just like, I'm gonna do it. And I, well, um, I admire uh, that. It's something I strive to great. do in my personal life. That's be that person. Well, if you look at just, ILM just Industrial Light Magic, he, they create, he created a special effects company just to make Star Wars, you know, because, you know, they they didn't have the effect company that he wanted. So and that's been an inspiration for me with doing Prince of Cinema where um I said years ago and now the technology is like where I mean I used to shoot in film and now you can shoot on the phone and edit and get it out to fans all over the world. And that inspiration of someone who says, I'm gonna do this movie and I don't care. But on the flip side though, as far as um you know like mainstream media and everything, I understand now I'm running a studio and there's like, we have investors and money and stuff. I understand how you can get to the mindset of like where it becomes about the money because I've, we're helping person do other films and other filmmakers. And sometimes one, another filmmaker I know, I won't mention my buddy's name, but he wanted us to drop everything we're doing and just make his movie. I'm like, no, we can't do that. We got to make other movies too and stuff. And so, you know, I know George is great on, the movie thing, but he also understood the business of, you know, the fans. And that's what really got Star Wars over. He was making it for him and, and being excited about it. But he did keep the business mind and say, hey, we got to do the fans. And that's what the conventions are about, too. You know, and getting the fans, and getting people excited about. And the prequels have been like, since the first Star Wars came out, they've been talking about making those prequels and making those movies. And so, you know, you're a prequel baby, but... You know, you are because years of Star Wars fans have been clamoring him to make that ori those original stories. You know, so he. Oh yeah, it's all yeah. on the back of the original trilogy. Right. Yeah, we wouldn't have so, nothing without the original. Yeah, trilogy. I always kept it with the fan base, so that's the important thing about, um, you know, doing movies. And I, I told my buddy of mine, who's, you know, I want to help him out with his movie because he's a great talented guy, but he doesn't see the importance of the fans and everything. And I love like right now having Facebook and like, you know, the reason, and I contacted you and stuff, you know, because you got to do the podcast and the interviews and find people who are like-minded and stuff, because we're in a day and age where you can do stuff like this. You know, you could never before make a movie and reach fans. We have a guy over in Italy who does music for us. Cause just, he said in conservatory, he just saw the stuff we were doing and said, Hey, let me, let me do some free music for you guys. Or let me, you know, and you never had that before. You know, people, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have fans like we have world. fans like in Australia and stuff. You know, you know, the time here is now, you know, and they had like 3D printers so you can make toys. I'm gonna start making collector ones of my own little movies and stuff. I mean, you never had that time where it's exciting to do the things that you need to do. I've seen some fan films of Star Wars and they were like really like they were incredible. The detail and they had the costumes and the effects and they looked like there were studio movies, but they weren't, you know? And so we have to, as artists, take advantage of the tools that we have and the, the excitement and getting the fans. And, you know, I want, I want people to get excited about myself. Like, I get started by Star Wars. I don't be playing my collectibles. Because, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah. That's good, though. That's cool. Yeah. 
stuff. You talked about the fans. Um, the Star Wars fan yep. base is amazing right. and it's diverse and it's across the entire globe. And we all yep. want different things. Some of us want Ben Solo to live. Some of us want Ben Solo to die. Some of us want, they, they you know, Ahsoka. Yeah. I, I feel bad. I, I feel bad for Finn. It's like that guy who's like, "What about me?" It's like, "Oh, you know, okay." <laughs> he's every yeah. Poor what Finn. about he's every Finn? Like, yeah, the list goes on and yeah, on. What about you Val? Know. You know, like you know, and and here I am. But you know, we all want different things. Um, but few of us have the training, um, the knowledge, and the background that you have. So. As an expert in the field and not um, a middle-aged white man with a Doritos <laughs> Locos box, tell us your thoughts on Kenobi. Would you say that the series is a depiction of the main character? Would you say that you agree with the storyline or you can see how we got there? I can... Um... First of all, overall, Kenobi's great. Okay, Kenobi is worthy of Star Wars. We did it! We did it! We did it! Yay! 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 My sister watches The Mandalorian. I have nothing else. I love, I like it, but it's kind of a different thing. But I feel Kenobi is more rooted in Star Wars because of that connection to the prequels and that character who, you know, my hat is off to Ian McGregor for like taking a character that you know and being, you know, I'm an actor myself, being bold enough to say, Oh, yeah, Sir Alexander did that. I'll do it too. You know, it's like, I mean, I know he's probably like, Oh my God, you know, because he could easily have been ripped to shreds, you know. I mean, even he, but he gave a great performance and a great writers behind it. And, you know, Third Sister, just like when she walks in that between the, and those stormtroopers. You know, I'm not erasing it, but the white stormtroopers part for her. It's like she walks like she could be like the Darth Vader. She's the Darth Vader of that story. She definitely is. And but I think really who stole the show was the little baby Leah. I mean, that's incredible for that little girl to be. Because I don't think people remember that in the first Star Wars, there's only one woman, Carrie Fisher, and she she's not your damsel in distress. She's like you here to rescue me or forget you. You know, she's 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 not there. She's holding her own. She's she carries that movie as being the only woman in that movie, you know, and that is powerful, you know? And so that, Yeah. In nineteen seventy seven no less, when there there was no leading female in an action film. Oh, like yeah, aliens that's right. hadn't happened yeah, yet. Yeah, that's you know? Yeah. None of that I mean, had happened. She yet. just like I think she probably paved the way for like the female action hero, you know, and everything. And so, and so the writers, to, that little, I, you could really see that little girl growing up to be her, you know, and she has some like great lines and stuff with, you know, and uh, when Ben is like, okay, tell them that I'm your father. So she's like, grandfather, maybe he's like, what? It's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> that was hilarious. The writing for Vivian is incredible. I got to see that little girl oh. at Star Wars Celebration. She came out and she's just the cutest little thing. And yeah. it's incredible. And how brave is she at like nine years old to oh. come out there? Um, you know, yeah. I'm a prequel baby. So I remember how hard it was oh, for yeah. Jake Lloyd. Like they ripped that little boy oh, to did. shreds. How much courage does it take to go out there as yeah, they a ripped, little girl? Oh, they were really and yeah. you know try to to yeah, they hold were your really head up. Mean to him, but I mean that was like cruel. And then they were, and you know a funny thing too, like the even diversity and inclusion of Star Wars, like they were cruel to like third sister and stuff because like you know and I'm saying like, and I'm like remembering like. When Billy D. Williams was in Star Wars, it was like, wow, Billy D., you know, and it's like, and yet she gets like, and so, you know, not liking the fan base, well, I'm not, I'm not a part of the fan base because you have this 
fan base that just wants to make it white and bland. And when I do music with Prince Summer, we always have like a interracial love stories and stuff. And we, we did like, we have always, we did like one scene, we had like, you know, black people from the South and Italian people and Spanish people, like five different nationalities in one scene. I'm so proud of that one scene. And we have diversity as part of our show, you know, and Star Wars is getting there as far as diversity too. But, you know, it's just like some of the fans are just like, and you just wonder like, did these people even like get Star Wars and not to talk about the other Star Star Trek, but some of the fans of that too are like not hip on diversity. And that was a really groundbreaking diverse show. So it's like, how you can't, and someone's like, how do you call yourself fan of a show that has diversity and inclusion in its core and you're going to start, you know, thinking that it doesn't or you're going to like, I mean, no, you're watching the wrong show, you know? Right. It's in the DNA yeah. of what Star Wars is. When you have a large Wookiee, you know what I mean? Like, that's a signal there's that there's for room everybody for everybody. In the, um, although they really should make a, a Star Wars of the cantina. <laughs> you know? So just like set in the cantina, somebody <laughs> like a little spoof of like, you know, Star Wars Cheers version, you know, like a, that should be the show, but I know. Oh, yeah. It would be, that might be funny though. Be that funny. might be cool. Make comedy of Star Wars. They, they, they yeah. can detour. I, I think there is room in Star Wars yeah. for comedy, you know, and I know some people didn't care for like yeah. getting back to Obi-Wan, the Leia in the coat gag. But to me, that read as like, this is something that George would have found funny. Like every now and then in these new pieces of Star Wars material, I see a gag that I can point to and say, that's George talking. That's somebody oh, yeah. talking to George because that's something yeah, yeah. that he would have done, you know, that he would think is funny. That's his sensibility, the hiding in the coat. It reminded me of Jim Henson Muppet Man, E.T. in the in the trench coat type of deal. Like it it just for me, it's like not everything oh, in Star yeah, Wars yeah. has to be so daggone serious. Like I, it's it's a funny I, moment in the middle of this very serious yeah. issue. Even though the Star Wars place. denies the Christmas special, which we remember saying, you know, it did happen, okay? It did happen. You know, and that's where Boba Fett came off, so you know, the Christmas special, the cartoon, but okay, we won't talk about Wookiee Day and everything. That was a weird one. But you know, and at first, like when, um, with the corporate thing, when Disney bought Star yeah. Wars, everyone's like, "Oh my God, they're gonna Disney fight and stuff," you know. And I think with some of the movies they did, and some of them I really didn't see. Like I didn't see Solo because I was like, uh, "Whatever," you know. I feel like I understand, like when you pay four billion dollars for something, you got to make a dollar off of, it, you know. But they do have people like even with Mandalorian, like you know, they understand Star Wars and they get it, you know. And so with Kenobi. The writers and everyone, they understood Star Wars. They were fans. You can tell when people who are making the show, even though they have the corporate people and the money people and stuff, you can understand when they're fans of what they're making. And they put that stuff in there, like, you know, the coat thing and everything. They put stuff in there for the fans because they're fans themselves and they know what they want to see. And they put it in yes. there and they're, um, they're delivering. They delivered on... Now, but the one weird part, and I'm, I'm not going to ruin for anyone with that as in Kenobi, which you got to see, of course, is kind of like third sister, her kind of, she kind of goes back and forth on her, her character's a little uneven sometimes, you know, and her motivations and why she's doing stuff is like, whenever she's evil, then she's not evil, then it goes back and forth, but, you know, but I was, and I read this article about, but I was thinking about it, about, and like I said, I'm not going to ruin it, but what happened to her early on I think traumatize her, and that that's the way I come up with why she doesn't always act rational, you know, you know, because it would seem to be like she's going to be like the reason why she hates Kenobi is a solid reason, but then why she sided with Vader doesn't make sense why she hates Kenobi. But if you look at what happened to her, and even you know, then you can understand. Okay, well, this is someone who isn't going to make sense in what they do, you know, and. I mean, I write crime stories and, and I've dealt with people who are criminals and they have weird motivations for what they do and stuff. And they can be really sweet to someone and then go kill someone. You know, like I know some people like, mom, they can like, they, they can like, they, they go kill someone oh, yeah. and then go home and eat a sandwich, you know, like if nothing happened, you know. And 
someone like their sister like that, she can be really, and then when she's with Leia and stuff, she's like trying to like manipulate her and everything. And she just, and the little girl, she just like sees right through and she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, and I'm not telling you anything. She's like, what? You know, it's like, kid, you're supposed to be like, you're supposed to fall for this stuff, you know? And she's like, nah, I ain't falling for it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's, it's just great to see like her character even like I said, that's the way I rationalize why she acts the way she acts because she's a little off. But then you, you you find out what happened to her, and you say, okay, she's got a reason to be off. But when she's bad, she's she is bad. You know, she's like she just commands. Like we, you, I mean, you gotta, you, you know, you just gotta see more of her. You know, I mean, she's like, you know, Kenobi's a hero, but you always gotta have someone who's against the hero who is their equal, you know, and that's what makes a good story and a good character. You can't have someone who's, they can like, you know, be easily, you know, she is definitely his equal, you know what I'm saying? You know, and that's what makes the challenge great between those two and stuff and everything, you know? I agree. Like you have to have a great antagonist. And as much as we all love Hayden, like we need someone else. In, in that role, we needed someone else, someone who was a little bit more mobile, you know, and, and the suit has come a long way in its um, design to make it more movable and fluid um, in some of those scenes. It looks like it's, it's doing a lot oh, yeah. better than it used to, but my husband does a cosplay as Vader oh, and yeah. it is heavy. Oh, it's like 40 you. pounds. They get serious. It's that. tough. But to the thing too is on. the... The issue too, like from writing a story where you know what's going to happen to, you know Kenobi's going to survive. You know Leia's going to survive. You know Vader's going to survive. So when they're fighting, there's not that sense of like, okay, well, maybe he's going to kill Vader. No, you know that's not going to happen. You know, so they have to have introduced these other characters where you don't know what's going to happen to them, you know, and that makes the story line yeah. great in that respect too. But also, I like the, um, now, from a studio production standpoint, you know, it's very hard to um, satisfy fans, you know? I mean, when it could easily go one way or the other, and there's a big risk, you know, when you're doing a story that people know, and you're dealing with characters people know. And so you can really alienate them, and, you know, you piss off the fans, you don't deliver, you know, they're going down, you know, and stuff and everything. But they just handled, I think even the look of it is different than the other Star Wars. It was really dark and kind of gritty more so than, you know. Yeah. It was very cinematic as opposed to Mandalorian and Boba Fett, more bright colors. Like this looked yeah, this, like it was but a film. Too, like, and I like to think, it looked like it was more um, I'm saying like that kind of Blade Runner kind of thing where like you know, you got the dark streets and you got the shadows and everything, you know, and that's something you normally don't see in a Star Wars movie. You always see the brightness, like, you know, like so with Mandalorian and Boba Fett and stuff too, you know, and me personally, I like, I do film noir, so I like the kind of dark grittiness of it and stuff too, but I think it's, I think it was like in setting the tone of it, um, the whole story, making it kind of a little bit stand out from the other Star Wars you know, and that was a good thing. So they took a lot of risk, but it did pay off and stuff. And so I'm just waiting till they come up with collectibles. So like, oh, that's not Thursday. They got collectibles. Everybody, like, they come with a little, little baby Leah and stuff and everything, you know, and stuff, you know. We yeah, need, we more, need more, more merchandise. Yeah. We need more Reva merchandise. Where, the sh- Where are the shirts? Yeah. Where is the outfit? Her universe? Where are you? Yeah. We need your help. Need, You're our only help. hope. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need Reva merch. Today, we need it yesterday. It's so cool to finally have a black female character right. not covered in makeup, you know, um, out there in the universe yeah. who did not die. I, you know, um, spoilers. Uh, if you if you haven't seen it, like, I don't know why you're watching this show. Uh, you know, you already know what it is on Sisters. But, um, you know, it's, it's we finally have right. something modern that mirrors the black female experience in our world today 
If you are a leader on your job, this may speak to you. If you are in corporate America, this may speak to you. If you are a director, if you are a people leader of any kind, this might speak to you. Uh, so it's just, it's fantastic to finally have something on screen that is specifically speaking to our experience or a experience. It's, it's that interesting a black thing about that too, have. because I, I deal with a lot of different cultures. I like, uh, my partner, my company is Francesco DeGiantoni, Italian guy and stuff, everything. And so I grew up watching a lot of like 40s movies and stuff and everything, but my family's from Louisiana and stuff. And I, I mean, I understand people need to see themselves on screen, but I, I didn't feel that need. And it's just a weird thing. I tell people like, you know, I'll see the hero white, black, you know, I, I didn't need to see me on screen to identify with it. Like I love Flash Gordon. I could see, I could easily put myself in that place without having to see them look like me. But I do understand people, you know, they say like, hey, where's where's me? Where's someone who looks like me? I, I am not knocking that. I definitely understand that. I'm, I'm kind of weird because I never, I had a need because I, you know, in business stuff and everything, you'll go to a lot of events and I'll be the only person of color there besides the people who are the staff waiting on people, you know? And yeah, I mean. They're, right. <laughs> which is the funny part. Like, when they see Some me, truth. they're like, yeah, they're so pleased and it's like, yeah, you did it. You're They're like, proud of and you. A buddy of mine, I'm just like, he's a Jewish guy. He helped me get into these meetings and stuff. And you know, he gave me like free tickets because tickets, like, and see the barrier to to get into some of those things. Like, I went to events and I got them because of my friends and stuff and everything. Tickets were like $400 to get to some of those tickets. So you can't get. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's you cost prohibitive. Yeah, it keeps stuff, a too, certain you know? group out. So it was good to have, like, mm-hmm. good to have, like, Jewish and Italian and white friends that can get you in those places. And you're. Yeah, and you'll be the networking only person color key. in there and stuff too. <laughs> and I remember listening to this um, lady who was a black lady who was a um, newscaster. Said she would go places and she should be the only person of color there and stuff. And she was like, she saw that as a chance to rule because she said, "Okay, I'm the only person of color here. It's my show." And I know I've been places where I'm the only person of color there too. And I take it as like, yeah, I'm in charge. And, and the good, the weird thing, but the good thing about it is everyone remembers you. And I thought about that thing with third sister walking through. Everybody, they parted for her because, like, you know, the other people, you won't notice them, but you would not not notice her. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to be that way going into life and business where you have to have that strength of, like, I'm here and I deserve to be here. And I that's the whole thing, too. You walk in those places, you have to say, like, I deserve to be there. I'm here. I've had people ask me, say, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here because I want to be here. I'm here because I was invited here. Were you invited here? No. And they're jealous of you being there, you know? I'm like, nope, I'm here and I'm running it and stuff, you know, and everything. And so that's like powerful to see that too. But, you know, to my point too, it's like, even if we don't see someone who looks like us, we still got to be like, yeah, we're going to be there and we're going to be in there. And we're going to, when we start creating stuff, we're going to create things where we have that diversity. And we have that inclusion and we don't have um, things where we're in the background and stuff and we're not there or we're, you know, and, you know, we're just there to, you know, to help other people along. And I'm glad you mentioned she lives because she wasn't, that was a whole big question I hear. Like, is she going to live? And someone was like, read an article and say, like, is she going to die just to help his journey along? You know, and I thought about that would normally be the case where she would, um, give her life just to help him become a better person. It's like, okay, because you know if it's a black, you know if it's a movie and it's a science fiction movie, there's a black person, they're the first one to go, you know? Although Forrest Whitaker lived in species, though, you know? It's like, he lived? You're like, wow, you know? And then even, like, one of the great movies I, I love is a stupid science fiction movie, um, The Fifth Element, but every time it's on, you know, Bruce Willis, Mila Jones, I watch it. I can't pronounce her name. She's gorgeous, but I can't pronounce her name. Um, I watched the movie, but the... The, it's a black guy who's the president of the world, but the white cab guy, cab driver is the one who's the story's about, you know what I'm saying? And that's just always the weird thing, you know, where we're always in the background. But I think this changes things too with Kenobi. They have to do something else with her character, you know? She has to be like back again or her own show or something, you know? And, you know, and I said, I think, I think a lot of other the fans that didn't like her. I think they're afraid of people like 
her taking mm-hmm. over and stuff and them getting pushed out. But well, it, it mm-hmm. happens, it happens, you know. But there's room for everybody in it, you know what I'm saying? Nobody gets pushed. Hello. There's room for That's Yeah. Yeah, that, and I think yeah. that's what they don't understand is there's yeah. room for everyone in this world. And it's just a, it's a different, it's yeah. that scarcity mindset that somehow there's just not enough, not enough love, not enough movies, not enough time. And there is, it's just a silly mindset, like time and all of that is a construct. Like most of that stuff doesn't even exist. Like the stuff that you're fearful of isn't real. Um, there is enough room for everyone here to exist and to get a stage and and to be the Luke of their own story. Yeah, you got you got to see all that diversity and inclusion and stuff, and you got to and it just gives a rich background to everything. You see, you know, when you have stories and you have like, and the whole thing I don't get is like, you know, you got blue and orange aliens, you know. So what's wrong with, with black people in the story, you know? That's the whole weird thing, you know. They gotta do that Cantina movie. That'd be cool. But um, there's, a, like I said, there's a place for everyone in Star Wars. You know, mm-hmm. we gotta flush the Cheers I, thing out. Some of the other things <laughs> we gotta get that on paper and over, send that over to Kathleen Kennedy hey, right away. <laughs> my thing is like this: they got, you know, they, they they paid all this money for Star Wars. They just gotta have every. You're right. I think a comedy would be great for Star Wars next. I think Lego Star Wars yeah. does comedy so well in Star Wars. Like they have proven that there's space for a comedy show in Star Wars. Like, and and there is precedent for it. Whether you're talking about that Muppet show that I watched as a kid a million times, or or whatever it is you're talking about, oh, yeah. there's room for that in Star Wars. And I think that yeah. would be a lot of fun. And I know they did detours back in the day and it never got finished or whatever happened there, but I, I'd love to see that project or something like it um, come back, you know, so that we can have more oh, yeah, we'll be, it will, Star Wars again. You know, you maybe something with Guido before he, he comes in the bar and see it, Han Solo and Han first. Right? He had the winning lotto <laughs> ticket. He was going to cash that in. <laughs> He went down to the corner <laughs> store and he got a ticket. But, <laughs> we will oh, never know like, yeah. how rich happened, he would have you know, been. If you say like, Robot Chicken, they do a lot of Star Wars. It, yes, they do. Yes, it's they just, do. It's there. It's there. The fans, would, mm-hmm. everybody would love it, you know, and stuff. They have the official Star yeah. Wars. I mean, I mean, they did like, to mention other Trek thing. They did with, like, with, with Star Trek, the Lower Decks, and it is like, I think the whole thing is like when you do a comedy thing, you take it seriously, but it's still funny, you know. And that's the whole thing is like if they if they do the oh, Star yeah. Wars comedy, they gotta take it seriously and just like because it is a lot of humor, even in all the movies, you know, with all the other stuff going on, you know. So just like make that the main focus, and you still have the action and everything too, but you know, making that the main focus would be great and stuff, you know, and everything, you know. Absolutely. I think there's definitely room for that. You mentioned something earlier in our conversation I want to roll back to, because this is like a a huge hot take that we're not hearing in the social media window right now as people are commenting on Kenobi. And that's that there's these polls already in the sand, right? George has put down these timeline stamps And now the way that Star Wars works is we're working through the timeline. We're working backwards. We're working side to side. We're weaving in and out of the established lines on the paper, right? Um, So like you said, we already know where Anakin, Obi-Wan, Luke, Leia, and Bale, we know where all those cards are going to land on the table. And that's why, that's why we need um, yeah. roles like Reva, right. those wild cards to keep yeah. us interested because we don't know where that story is going. Just like we didn't know where Ahsoka right. was going. We still don't know. But that was one of the, one oh, of the yeah. draws of Clone Wars is they added this character that we did not understand where they were going to fit in and what their destiny was, right? 
Um, so I, I really like that take. Thank you so much. Because so many people say, well, why is she a thing? Why does she exist? And it's Either for I just, that very they, reason. Because if not, it oh, yeah, would be I very the same predictable. Thing. In my stories, I like this um, real quick, like, because I could have been here that go on, like, the movie I wrote, like, when I got Emmy for, so to the Foster in the story, and I wove him in other different stories of mine. And so when you're a writer, you have these characters and these stories that you um, you want people to know about, you know? And it's a funny thing, like, like I write a character, Lieutenant Foster, he's in like eight, nine different stories out of the background. I don't know his first name because he won't tell me, okay? And it may sound weird, but when you're a writer, you're writing characters, you have to let the character come alive. And so they may, they create a character and they won't know everything about that character, but the other characters, like I said, you know, Ben and Leia, they're all mapped out. But, you know, Reva, she's not mapped out. She's created and they don't know where she's going to go. And like other side stories, there was, a, um, and I'm mixing different genres here, but like with Batman, they have a Harley Quinn. She was created for the animated series, not in the comic books. And then she became a big thing, you know? And so it's like, you have this character who catches on with people and people want to know more and more about them and that unknown factor. Because we know yep. what's going to happen with these other exactly. characters. But we don't know what's going to happen with her. We don't know what's going to happen with other characters that we see in this universe, you know? And so we need... And that helps the story go along, too, because you can um, fill in the holes, too. And sometimes I read, like, the Star Wars comic. And, but there's always the question, like, a science fiction... What is canon and what isn't canon? Oh, and I guess with a weird... That's a whole debate, too, because sometimes you get locked into a thing where you... Like I said, when watching um, Kenobi, there's only so much they can do with mm -hmm. him and Vader in that fight, which was incredible. And, you know, at the end, he walks off after, after you know, you know the mask is, like, thing, and he walks off, and, and other people right there, like, why didn't he just kill him? He's weak. You know, because he can't because they have to fight years later and stuff. And so it's like you're locked into a thing where you can't do so much with the known characters because you just can't, you know. But the other characters. Mm -hmm. oh, that was it was a great fight, though. It really was. And if Obi-Wan killed him, then he'd hit the dark side, you know, and then he would be infected. Right now, he can't be the hero. He needs to be the Luke. Right. So it's like he can't. Yeah, kill him yeah that's, he that's he'll, be he'll be tainted too yeah but i feel like at that point like as the fight goes on i feel that anakin is almost telling him just finish it let's just just do it get it over <laughs> with grow a pair and just kill me you know and and he can't do it he can't do it for several reasons he sees what? his friend's disfigured face you know, he thinks about all of the the yeah. ways that he's failed yeah. him and his children now, you know, and um, yeah. he can't do it. And if he did, then would he really be That's a Jedi? True. Yeah, if a Jedi just murdering somebody, he would be he would be like Vader, you know, and that is like and and thing too. I'm so glad Hayden Christensen came back because he got a lot of hate too, you know. I mean, and that. I've seen him in like mm -hmm. little bitty weird off the wall movies and stuff, which you know he's a he's a good actor and stuff, you know. And, and it was like he's he doing like this. I've seen some like really stupid little movies, and I said like, well, I know he had to, I know he had to work, you know, you know. He, but even those movies, yeah, it was like even those <laughs> he movies, he's got to be entertained. But like you know, it's like and nobody, but probably because nobody was calling him, because like, oh yeah, you ruined Star Wars. Like, no, I didn't. You know, he he did a good thing, you know, and no one was calling him and stuff, you know. And even Natalie Portman, she got like, thing, you know, so it's like when you play these iconic characters and stuff and you enter that Star Wars universe, you know, some of the people take it seriously and it can affect your career. And sometimes you have some great actors who they won't want to be part of Star Wars. They will, but they won't just because of that weight of being part of something. Yeah. That We'll never know, yeah, the actors who passed on some of those roles because they were oh, so yeah. fearful, right? Well, because, like you said, the narrative back in the prequel days, like, 
the older fans were writing this narrative that the prequels weren't good, that oh, Hayden couldn't act, and and we saw in Obi Wan yeah, that lot- that is not true. Um, I got to go Hayden back to the can act. There was a lot of hate it's- for them, and I saw like a lot of like mm-hmm. there's a there's a really tragic thing if you read about you know the actor who played Jar Jar and stuff. He was like suicidal after all that hate thing. Him, it was. Yeah, uh, Ahmed Best has it been through it. Knowing. He's been through it, and I, I haven't never reached that level of fandom with my stuff. But like, you do have where you're writing stuff, you're creating stuff. Like your fans and stuff are like, you love your fans, but at the same time, you know, I like said someone fan is short for fanatic, so some of them can just yeah cross the line. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you're talking to one, no, <laughs> one of those weirdos. I was like in a, a library, and someone's like. Hey, we're Facebook friends. And then I'm like, okay, okay. Like I'm looking around for security and stuff, you know, and I'm like, okay. But you know what you is as an ah. artist it's funny, but you need that though. If you're gonna be out there, you know, with you know, with a podcast sister for sabers and stuff or either pray someone like you're gonna need you need the fans and you need to be somewhere where the fans recognize you and you and just, you know, be there for you and stuff because otherwise you can't survive without the fans, but you know. Some of them can be, I love, I love, I love all our fans of Prism. I, I really do. But, you know, but it's a careful, ba- it's a careful balance. Yeah, and you got to deliver like the force. to the fans, like the Star Wars fans got to deliver. And I know when George saw Star Wars, people were just like, like, you saw the Disney, you sell out. It's like, they gave me $4 billion. Come on. You know? Right, home. and he went but, home. <laughs> uh, that was the second time we've talked about the Disney sale. So uh, let's talk about the Disney sale. How did you feel when the Disney sale happened? I know when when it took place for me, I cried. I was so happy because this thing that I love is going to live forever. You know, if we can still play the stupid songs from Snow White and we've got all the seven dwarves out here, then surely that means Princess well, Leia will live I go forever. back and forth because, like I said, I'm, I'm an artist, but I'm also a filmmaker and also in the business line. And so I do understand the corporate side of stuff because even with my stuff, I have friends and family who put money into my company and I still got to sell them more the fact that, yeah, we're doing it right this way and... You know, and so, like, I do crime stories, and sometimes when you're trying to get money from people, you're doing crime stories, sometimes they don't want to give you money because they don't like the subject matter. But I was like, I can't change it, you know? I can't, like, I have, I have someone from the government, as we don't mention, it's like, wanted to put money into the company, but they had, uh, and the guy loved Law & Order, which is my stuff is like, but they just had a murder while back in the city. So he's like, I can't back this and stuff, you know? And so with Star Wars, it's the same thing. Like you invest in Star Wars, people were scared of the Disney sale. You know, honestly, because they didn't want the Disney stamp on things. It's like if you look at the Grimm's fairy tales, what Disney did to those fairy tales are completely different. But Star Wars isn't that dark, but it does have certain things that you can't like. There is a lot of like violent stuff in Star Wars, the original ones and stuff. You know, and so having you know, you know, just like that whole fight scene, you know, and just like having, you know, when so when Disney, you're just like there. Everyone was scared though. A lot of people, a lot of people were scared because Disney has a a way of taking over stuff and making it softer, you know. And so I think that's what happened to some of the Star Wars stories. Like I think, I think I'd be honest. I didn't watch Solo. I had no interest in that at all, you know. And the Mandalorian, they got it right because they gave it to someone. And they trusted him to do it. So the whole thing is like, I think it was like the level of, yes, Disney has the resources and the money to do anything. And, you know, but at the same time, they have a heavy hand when it comes to producing, you know. And But you can't blame them. If someone's going to pay that huge amount of money for something, they're gonna, they they got a right to do whatever right. they want to do to it, you know, and stuff, you know. It's, it's a careful balance, again, yeah, careful balance. And I love the fact that Star Wars today, there's there's yeah. levels to it. Like, you know, there's the Star Wars kid stuff, there's yeah. Forces of Destiny, there's Star Wars Lego, there's the Freemakers. If you're looking for Star Wars for kids, 
there's Star Wars material out there. Yeah. Galaxy of Adventures. There's there, there's the blips. You know, there's so many things right. that are kid focused, and they've kind of kept the integrity of right. the movies as they are because oh, episode three is rough. Like he cut off that, Anakin's that, legs, you know, it, his arm, burned, and presumably burned off his to, penis. I mean that that battle by itself is just epic. You know, that is like it's rough. And you know, and and Padme dying and stuff, you know, childbirth. I mean, that's horrific. That is a horrific ending. That's you know, tough. it's like okay, I'm going back to the vision here. <laughs> it was like Empire Strikes Back. You know, hey, you know, Luke gets his hand cut off, hand gets frozen, you know, take one by Boba Fett, you know, uh all all Jedi was was a bunch of Muppets. Sorry, I'm quoting clerks. You see the movie Clerk? They make a comment about that, about like which is better, like Empire was better than Return of the Jedi, which is supposed to be called Revenge of the Jedi, you know? And yeah. So it's like oh, uh, yeah, but I remember the that. ending of Empire was rough, you know. And yeah, it was uncertain too. It was uncertain. And mm-hmm. Like, you know, you read a lot of stuff later on and stuff too, like uh Harrison Ford kind of wanted out of it. So there was a question of whether or not Han Solo was gonna live. That's why he was frozen and stuff, you know, and everything. Because he actually talked about wanting to, like, be out of the whole Star Wars thing, you know. And then later on, he was in Rogue One and stuff, you know, and everything. But, you know, it's like, you know, so it, it just gets like this whole, not Rogue One, but the other movie. God, I'm, I'm mixing movies up together, you know, where... where it, you talking about the sequel trilogy when he came back for... Oh, uh, yeah, when I'm... Um, yeah, Friday. like when, when Han Solo died and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which... That whole Ben Solo thing was kind of weird too. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, you you get with these um, characters that you live with, and you know, people feel like they own them and they do in a sense too. And, and so I'm glad you got the kitty Star Wars thing, and you know, and mm-hmm. you got the grown up Star Wars thing because you got you got to do that with different. Um, they do that with with um, comic books too, like with Wonder Woman and stuff. Like kitty version is the one, the hardcore version and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So. It's a great thing, like I said, you can have the kiddie version of Star Wars and stuff, you know, and everything. And then you can have the more adult kind of, like, thing. But you never, like, cross the line. with. But Star Wars never, ever gets, um, like... Yeah, it's never too yeah, adult. Not, like, uh, you're never going to see nudity, you know. You're never going to see that. You're never going to see, you know, sexual, you know. You, yeah. you see insinuation, you know. And then there's right. wonderful pieces like Clone Wars and Rebels which yeah. I call Grow With Me Star Wars. So when it starts right. out, Ahsoka's very young, right? So that demographic that started that journey right. was 8, 9, 10, you know? And as Ahsoka grows up, so does the content oh. of what's going on with her. You know, by the end of it, she's on trial. You know, yeah. she's watching other people yeah. die around her. It's very adult. You know, um, and and the same can be said with Rebels, with Ezra. As he grows up, you know, the stakes get higher, you know, and what yeah, happens yeah, yeah. to Kanan happens. I haven't seen Kanan, much of, of Clone Wars and, Rebel, and and not like I not like because I know they're bad because I know they're good, you know, because sometimes you, you say, I'm not, because you get hooked on the stuff and you just got to watch all. Of, I wasn't going to watch Kenobi before. I said, ah, I said, there's too much stuff going on and stuff, you know, I'm in production and stuff, but then you start watching and you get like, Oh, I gotta watch it. Yep, you get sucked in. I got you. Oh man! But I mean, but it's good that so it's, much. It, it just draws you in. Mm-hmm. When you watch one, and you're like, next thing you know, it's like, okay, I'm watching every episode. I'm buying the collectibles. You know, you know, I just gotta watch them all. You know, and stuff. Now, you know, but I think that's a worthy testament to the characters in the story. You know, that people will watch them, and you know, all different backgrounds and people love them you know and you gotta have that you gotta have those kinds of stories where you can have it where people can you know there's a lot going on in the world we need more stories we need more things for people to watch and they can get together on you can have this um kind of like this whole communion of people you know and i got i got to go I, I went to a combo convention a while oh, ago yes. stuff and everything and the people in cosplay oh i know some of them who do it and they are like they are incredible Oh yeah, they like they're the real heroes. They just like they build. I know like a guy who built a Batman suit with actually uh, equipment and utilities to it and stuff. And and you know, and but it was one the funniest thing I saw at one wow. of the shows was 
a little tiny baby dressed as Superman, and this couple said, we got to inoculate him early. You know? So, you know, yeah. so just yeah. having all those, you know, things and stuff. And I'm tempted to go one time in costume with something that I don't know yet, but I'm, um, I'm going to, I'm going to one time go dressed as somebody I don't know who yet, but I might. I'm just debating that. Yeah. Cosplay is incredible. It's oh, yeah. a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but have it's you a went? lot have of fun. you dressed fun, as someone that went? Um, sure, sure. I've got some cosplay photos. Um, let me uh, share those with you. I'll send them Ooh. via email, I guess, to you so you can check those out. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> those will be a lot of fun for you. Okay. I did a Hera from Rebels, and then um, uh-huh. Tom has a full Vader. So, um, I did Basni uh, Natal from episode seven. Um, so I can share those ooh. with you for sure. They're on my socials as well. Um, let me go over here yeah. real quick while I send this stuff out. Um, cause you, you mentioned yeah. established actors in star Wars. Um, is there anybody that comes to mind that you would like to see as an established actor in star Wars? That isn't mm. already in there. Um, oh my god, who would fit well in the Star Wars universe right now? Uh, I act myself, so I would fit well. Yes, <laughs> I. I'm serious. It's, it's, hey, I got to throw yes, it in there for book me. Yourself. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I would love to see them. You know, do something right with like Lando and stuff and everything. And I think if they did the Cheers kind of thing with the cantina you know there's a lot of people they should have some of the actors from cheers show up in there and stuff you know and that would be a great thing um but i don't know who i would love to see in star wars because i'm trying to think it's just so many different um actors that i know that like oh god let's let's have ryan reynolds in there he's in everything ryan reynolds and kevin hart yeah there we go uh girls know something Oh boy. <laughs> Starring in a police yeah. drama. Ryan Reynolds Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Hart's in everything too there and stuff, you, you know. And uh let me think mm-hmm. we just need to throw everybody in Star Wars at one point in time. It's just like uh you know, we should just uh you know, they should have um they should do now there's like the original one, Kurt Russell has to be in one. Kurt Russell auditioned for you can find a line, he auditioned okay. for Han Solo. Yeah, so has to be in there did. and stuff, you know, they and did. it's just like so many different like people could be in that whole universe, you know. But I, I understand like actors, you know, the yeah, you know, when like the timetables. So I'm, I'm glad Samuel Jackson showed them stuff, you know. He's that guy's in, he's in like yeah, they get a new version of Tarzan a while ago. Samuel, no. I gotta have Samuel Jackson something we do because he Samuel Jackson is in every it's like a law if you do a movie, you have to have. Our movie says you have to have Samuel Jackson somewhere show up in your movie, which is not a bad law, but it's a great law, you know. That's such yeah, a, you know. Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. the hardest they, working man. That's what they say. The hardest working oh, man. I'm looking at the notes here, and well, we covered everything. But like, notes? oh, okay. I just want to like say like we're mm-hmm. like people could visit our website and we're like doing a bunch of stuff and um. But that's why I was afraid to some of the number two cinema. Like, I'm Googleable. And that's the thing, too, about the time period we live in now, as opposed to, like, George Lucas and Star Wars, where people can find you online. And the internet, for all people hating on Facebook and all those things, social media, social media is where you find your fans, you know, and, you know, and, and just where that whole fandom and, because you can have something come out now, you know. If I think if the original Star Wars that came out and there was social media, the same kind of flip side, I wonder like what the negative fans have overshadowed the positive fans. Because sometimes like people speak negative are louder than people speak positive, you know. So but you know, but I still want we still love fans of Prince and we run them everywhere and we can talk about Star Wars and I wanna do some science fiction stuff, more stuff based on like, you know, do I own those Star Wars? I, I won't call it Star Wars, but I'll make it like Star Wars, you know? But I think I think George has inspired us all to, you know, to do something. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Red Tails, where he did that story he found on, and that was like... Right? 
that to me is somebody who is really dedicated to the art, understands the business, but also he's dedicated to getting his stories out there, you know, and yeah, he didn't, yeah. he didn't have to he do didn't that, have but to do that. no, he had to do that. He, that's how passionate he was. He had to do that. You know, not too many people will take their own money and put it into a story, you know, and that's what he, right. that's what he did. He's an inspiration. So, you know, um, and he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't say enough great things about what George has done Yeah. Um, for my life personally, right? Because <laughs> he made a stupid movie and, you know, it's something that I live my life by. He made a cartoon and I named my daughter after that cartoon, you know, so, uh, you know, it, it, it oh, yeah. translates into reality in, in an incredible way. Um, so we talked a little bit about some of this stuff. Um, what do you think is missing from mainstream oh, yeah, that media question. like um, Star Wars? I okay. I think risk taking as far as like but I even understand it from being a you know, independent filmmaker stuff on a on a low level. When you're dealing with other people's money, you know, like Red Test was George Lucas story, he could do what he wanna do with it. When you have like even when it comes to low time corporation, when you have shareholders and everything and people have to answer to for money, you want to tell your stories, but they're going to be like people who like trying to figure out if that's going to make money and it's all going to be about the money thing. So you don't have that risk. And I understand because especially with science fiction, the movies cost so much money, you know, that they have to make, you know, like, you know, when you're dealing with like 250 million, 300 million dollar budgets, you know, just the budget. And then you add the marketing in there. So you're talking about spending over half a billion dollars for one movie, you know, and everybody's job is on the line, you know, of that movie being successful. So you're just setting up a climate where people are not able to take risk, you know, so they need, as we were thinking where they talked about, they were going to make Kenobi like a trilogy of movies, you know, and it wouldn't have worked because it's a great story, but, you know, getting people in the theaters and, marketing as a movie and then all the stuff, you know, so you, you don't have that risk because everything costs so much money and people are afraid. But even with the original Star Wars, they were afraid to make the original Star Wars too, you know? So there's so much, the people who control movies, there's so much risk that you're not going to have the, um, you know, that if we get a good story that's inclusive and thing, it's almost an accident, really, you know, where someone like, hey, they took a risk and stuff. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, third sister, that was, that was a risk, you know, and stuff. It shouldn't have been, but it, but you know, some people would see it as that, you know? So yeah, that's what's missing. And it's, it's all about because things cost so much money and, you know, I guess I don't, I don't blame them too. Cause I have like, mm-hmm. my company has limited resources sometime. And I, I got buddy mine who I love and who I want to work with, but you know, I'm like, I said, I can't drop everything and work on your movie, dude. We can't do that. <laughs> you know? So you make corporate decisions, you know, even if, even if you're a tiny company or you're a huge corporation, you're going to make decisions based on, you know, the financials, you know, so, yeah, it's a, it's show business. <laughs> well, yeah, it yeah. is indeed a business. <laughs> yep. Indeed. Yeah. That's why they call it that. Um, so as we start to wrap up a little bit, we talked about the Emmy. We talked about the books. Um, how can our listeners support oh, um, your efforts? Well, Fred Summer, right now we have a little fundraiser on our side, the tax deductible fundraiser. We're being like our own we're building our own little social network. So if you go to prelude to cinema.com, you'll see a link to that. You can donate. And we have a YouTube channel. We want people to watch more of our movies and Give us feedback if you like it, if you hate it. You know, I think it's better if you watch something, you have a strong opinion of it, good or bad. That's that's a good thing, you know. And I'm on like Facebook and Instagram and uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. So like, if people like reach out to me, I like reach out and I like helping like people who are you know doing movies and stuff. You know, so if someone reaches out and they're making movies and want to they want to ask me something, I can I'll help them out too and stuff. I think that's a good way to, to, I think it's just a nice thing to do, you know, help people out, you know, and stuff, you know, but, and, um, yeah, just, just follow Predator to someone, be engaged too, you know, watch our movies, talk to us, um, you know, 
listen to this podcast, <laughs> you know, and everything. So, I mean, just, I, I, I like, I love fans to talk to you and get involved with you and stuff. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think you're um, going to be as okay. successful without that two-way communication with your fan right. base, whatever it is. I mean, um, and you can look at whatever franchise you want to, and you can see the difference when there's just no okay. heed paid to the fan base. Uh, so I definitely think that it does play a part. Um, I will leave a link to the <laughs> socials for Prelude to Cinema in the show notes today. Um, I've also reached out to some other folks in the Star Wars podcast community. Um, so Ooh. you might hear more of Alex in the future on a few other shows that I'm closely affiliated with. So if you're a Sistus fan, you already know who those invites are too. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, and I look forward to whatever happens next for oh, no, the cinema. Goodness. Thank you so um, much for sharing. I, re I really get a chance to talk to us. someone to get like, I really get a chance to geek out you know, and stuff, you know, about something like I grew as a little kid and stuff. It's, it's, yeah, but it, it, it's... It's rare. And, of course, we always got to thank George, too. You know, we, we wouldn't be talking about this without George. That's right. Oh, Kathleen. That's right. And Kathleen, who has shown great leadership uh, yeah, leading tell, yeah. us into the future of Star Wars. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you. Um, so as we close, I want to leave our support assist links um, at the bottom of the show notes. This week's support assist is Scorpio Comics. Um so they're doing a Kickstarter for volumes one through three of the new comic book. So I've left the link below if you're interested in donating um, to a fantastic comic book franchise uh, with uh, a lens focus on diversity and inclusion for more black heroes. And um, it's a good and worthy cause to get involved with. And if you like black superheroes, I'm going to make a recommendation uh, that you check out Lazarus, the movie by R.L. Scott. I ran across it on Tubi. Um, it is free to download the app and check it out today. And there just there aren't that many black superheroes out there, so it's worth checking out Lazarus. I thought it was really cool and a um, good mix between Black Panther and Batman in a black neighborhood. So I thought that was pretty cool, <laughs> you know, cause it, it's more realistic. Cause what would Batman do if he was in, in a black neighborhood? What would that look like? You know, cause I'll see it, that, I guess. it would be I different. Watch that you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, there, you know, there's um, some individuals watching, you know, <laughs> to see who they can pat down, you know, <laughs> checking them for money, you know, <laughs> So it's, it's a good time. It's funny, but it's also really um, for an independent film. Like it's pretty, but the budget is nice. The music is right in line with what you would want to hear from like a Batman film. So it's, it's definitely worth checking out. So those are our two support assistants this week. Um, you can also still check out the uh, Amidala initiative. If you're looking to still donate to that cause, I'm sure that they're still taking donations um, and we're going to start moving towards another social cause for the month of July. And there's more to come on that. You know that if you're listening to this, you know, I'm really passionate about humanitarian aid and, and social causes. And I like to use this as a vehicle to sort of move change and help us all become closer to the Luke and Leia's of our own generation in this galaxy. Because, yeah, we might not be able to pick up a lightsaber and fight somebody, but we can all do our part to make this world a little bit better and carry the message that George gave us out into the real world. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Alex for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you to the listener. You made it to the end of another episode, and we'll see you on the next one.